This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I say. You will obey. It is the word of Landrew. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hey, what's up? Nothing much. Nothing much. It's good. Pod- podcasting. Yeah. As Me too. As the youngsters call it. How convenient. Yeah. I, uh, I just sold all my rock band equipment because uh, I, d- I don't have my 360 anymore. And I, I went to the, the game store. They actually found one that actually accepts them. And I was like, I've got everything but the U- the USB microphone because, you know, I started podcasting with that thing. And it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that's what we used when we first started podcasting. And I go back and I listen to those original episodes now and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'd rather not listen to those <laughs> old episodes where I used it, but in an emergency, it could be used. Yeah, I actually bought a uh, Disney Sing It game for the PS3 just so that I could get the microphone because it was cheaper than buying a microphone by itself. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you now, now that you have a PS3, if you want to, uh, you know, sing to some... I don't know who are the Disney artists, Vanessa Hudgens or Miley Cyrus or oh, whatever. Oh, I don't know. Who. Oh no, it's not. It's not Disney cartoons. It's no, it's, no. It's, it's like the, their artists, like uh, Ashley oh. Tisdale, and you know. Um, you kept the game. You keep looking yeah, over. Well, like it's on, right there. Hang on, I'll grab it. Hang on. Uh, yeah, we got um, Vanessa Hudgens on here, and uh, oh, um, the the girl from uh, uh, that. That that movie with Emma Stone, uh, what's her name? She was on Hellcats. Uh, then we've got uh, Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana um, together. Yeah, a- Allie and AJ. That doesn't seem possible. That's what they're called, <laughs> Allie and AJ. I I forget what what was what was that movie that she was in? Um, Easy A. Oh yeah, good. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. So if you ever want to borrow it, just let me know. I got it right here. No, no, that's fine. Thank you. All right. Anyway, this week, <laughs> we're going to not be talking about Disney pop stars because they don't really fit in with, thankfully, I mean, who knows, with all the weird casting coming out for uh, Batman versus Superman, we may get, you know, Miley Cyrus in Star Trek 3. There's nothing weird about the cast. I'm not even going to get started about how that's not an issue at all and how I've never not seen a movie because some dude was cast in it. Uh, <laughs> internet. Oh my god. Anyway, I figured we could use some more banter. No, that was <laughs> that's, that was good banter. <laughs> this week we're going to discuss uh, 
godlike aliens in the original series. Uh, I chose uh, one godlike alien or race from uh, each of the three seasons. And uh, we'll talk about how they got their powers, uh, what they used those powers for, and uh, how Kirk outsmarted them. Yeah. It, it, it was like a thing. I mean, people you know, always sort of talk about the, well, like you say, the cliches of the original series and sort of the touchstones, and facing off against a godlike being is definitely one of them, you know? They and even, and they none even of do these it are the computers. Movies. No, and they even do it in the movies. You know, it's kind of crazy. But so we've got we've got the the three sets. the The first one from the first season I've discussed. We've discussed. Everyone's discussed. Trelane. Yes. From uh, the Squire of Gothos. Mm-hmm. And uh, the arguments whether or not he's a Q. I. I mean, looking at all these other godlike creatures, we. How are we going to say whether or not someone is a Q or not? Yeah, there's an interesting case to be made for it, but at the same time, I mean, obviously, that wasn't their intention. It's not like Roddenberry was sitting there going like, you know, 30 years from now, I'm going to start up another show, and it's going to have like a, a godlike being, just one godlike being this time, because, you know, that makes a lot more sense. And uh, this guy is going to be like a part of that. No, obviously not. And it's not like when he was creating Q, he was like, oh, remember that character, Trelane? Let's say that he would. No. no. But if you want to make it fit, fine. You know, just kind of like uh, Roddenberry was talking about, like the Borg being the Borg homeworld in, in the uh, motion picture. You know, that's one of the plans they pass over or whatever. Obviously, that wasn't the intention. But you could say it was. There's nothing to contradict it. And if you want to go all expanded universe on it, which we can talk about later on, then yeah, he is. So if if George Lucas has taught us anything, it's that we can go back and say that we intended anything from the beginning. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So Trelane, uh, whether or not he doesn't, he has a machine that gives him, let's helps him focus his powers, maybe. Yeah. But uh, it seems like he's born with these powers. Yeah, and there's that great moment where Kirk is like, oh, it's a machine which is doing this. I totally got this, you know? I know how to destroy machines. I'm really good at that. And he destroys the machine, and he's like, yeah, see? Look at me. Look at me how awesome I am. And it doesn't work. It's a great moment. Yes. Ed, Ed Trelane still has his powers. So we've got, uh, here we've got a race of aliens because his parents show up who are non-corporeal, which may, is Trelane non-corporeal and just chose a corporeal form? Do they have corporeal forms when they're young, maybe? No, I think it's quite clear, especially considering the form which he takes and the fact that he was able to create all the other stuff around him. I think that it's quite clear that, that like a Q, he can create a body to live in, but he doesn't have to live in that body. Okay, okay, I can see that. Yeah. I, I forgot that cues are technically whatever they want to be. Yeah, yeah. So, what does Trelane do with his godlike powers? Unfortunately, he kidnaps the crew and plays with them. Yeah. That's 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 about it. <laughs> yeah. He just wants he just wants toys. He's a little kid, you know? Little kids like to play. And I mean, 
I've had original series action figures that I played with as a kid. I mean, I can't blame the guy. If I had a real life <laughs> Kirk and Spock, I would play with them too. <laughs> that didn't come out right. <laughs> so Trelane is young. He's got all these powers. He's just using to play with them. Like you said, Kirk figures out, ha ha ha. He keeps he just keeps wandering around near that mirror. Maybe he's out in his narcissism. Maybe he's got something back there. So he, he manages to challenge Trelane to a duel, which makes Trelane give him a pistol, which he then uses to shoot the mirror. And uh doesn't stop Trelane. It just makes him more angry. So then he plays uh, an episode of The Most Dangerous Game yeah. and runs around chasing him. And Kirk defeats him by grabbing his sword and breaking it. Yeah. And and telling him, no, you're a bad little boy. And then his parents come to back him up. So it's kind of deus ex machina, maybe, <laughs> in that Kirk survived long enough for the parents to come, because I'm sure Trelane could have still wiped him from existence. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it, it It's convenient, but whatever. It, it works well enough for the story. Um, And that, that moment where he challenges him to a duel because of that stupid blooper reel which plays at every single convention I ever go to, I can't help but see that scene when he says, are you challenging me to a duel? And then they cut back to the thing and everyone starts laughing. I can't help but think about that every single time I watch that episode. <laughs> Drives me crazy. I've not seen the blooper reel that much. Don't watch it. Hopefully for things like that. Yeah. Some 20s TV show. Yep, it's hilarious. <laughs> the first time, the second time, the 35th time, doesn't ever get old. <laughs> what, what what do you think about uh, um, Squire of Gothos in general? Are you a fan of that episode? Oh, the episode? I think that it's it's fun. It's not as fun as, as others where, I mean, even others that we're going to talk about here, like the crew made to... Uh, uh, embarrass themselves it's it's a good episode i like that it's it's about you know even children of gods are you know rambunctious children i mean i've I've always liked squire agathos uh, what do you think about it i i like it yeah i think it's definitely the best of of the three that we're going to be talking about today um i i like the 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 character of trelane i think it's sort of the the most solid of the three conceptually. And uh, I think also since it was the first one here, it, it wasn't like they were trying to, you know, I, I kind of get the impression that in some of these later things, they were like, how do we make this different from the one that we did already? You know, and some of the, the stuff that they came up with was rather contrived. Um, but I, I think that this one's a pretty uh, solid, uh, simple premise. And uh, I enjoy it. In the second season, uh, we got a few more gods, most of them computers, but uh, one of them that we'll talk about today is Apollo, from whom mourns for Adonis. And he is one of many aliens who visited Earth, a, a gallant band of travelers who visited Earth 5,000 years ago. And everybody, because 
they were they had powers. Everybody worshipped them as gods, and so that's where the Greek gods came from, ancient aliens. Yeah, which is a concept which became really big, I think, in the seventies, right? With the chariot of the gods, you know that kind of thing, or, or mm-hmm. whatever it was, and it was actually even considered as the premise for uh, the first Star Trek movie at one point. I think it's an interesting idea. And, you know, it's a good way of, of sort of explaining, you know, some things like that. And and I think that that part of it is pretty cool uh, conceptually. Mm-hmm. There's some things in it which annoy me, but whatever. <laughs> it, it reminds me a lot of uh, Stargate. Yeah. Um, how all of the ancient gods were aliens, but they were all, they had technology. And any technology can be is indistinguishable from magic. I forget the exact quote. Um, but these are aliens who just have the powers innately. They have an extra organ for some reason. Like that's the only difference that that McCoy could find. The magic organ. Yes, it gives the god organ. Maybe the god organ. Yeah. Um. And it allows him to it allows Apollo because he's the only one left to to channel his his powers uh, and use them to grow and to strike people with lightning yep. and uh, and break their phasers and grab oh I forgot the best part the giant hand to grab the saucer section of the Enterprise and threaten to squish it yep yep <laughs> because if I were a god that's what I would do Rah. Why not? I've got you now, Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like the Green Lantern ring where, you know, if you have that power, you're going to uh, manifest it in ways which make sense to you. So you think, I need to grab this ship. Well, obviously, I'm going to grab it with my hand. I'll just need a really big hand. <laughs> it makes sense. So maybe Apollo is a Green Lantern? He could be. Although he doesn't seem very noble. Don't you have to be noble in order to be a Green Lantern? I don't know. I didn't watch the movie. I don't... I was upset at the casting of Ryan Reynolds. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't think that you can use the, the movie as the basis for anything related to Green Lantern. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Kirk eventually figures out that Apollo gets, well, McCoy, uh, Scotty figures it out that he has to run away every time that he uses his powers to like recharge. And they, they figure out that he's, he's gaining power from his temple. But don't they also say that he gains power from worship and like love and adoration? I guess he could gain power from both, right? Maybe he stores the love and adoration in the temple. That could be. Yeah. I mean, Maybe that's why you would have to worship in a temple, is that it, it stored all that, that power for them. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's what the columns are for. Mm-hmm. The columns they store things. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, uh, Kirk defeats Apollo by uh, shooting the Enterprise phasers <laughs> at the temple. Which is nice. I like that. Yeah, which is... Uh, Practical. I was going to say it's not often that they use the ship's phasers like that, but I'm I'm thinking of at least two other instances where he uses the ship's phasers like that. Yeah, yeah. It works. Like in Piece of the Action, where he, they shoot on stun. Right, and they stun everyone. And the one where they, they blow up Val, and 
yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of instances where they just like shoot the ship at the at the ground. <laughs> do it. Yeah, why not? It works. Um, but Apollo is left alone and powerless, and uh, they leave with the uh, with the his girlfriend that he'd made, the the woman of the week. Yeah. Where, as we learned from Mark Cushman, uh, that originally she was going to be pregnant with his baby. Oh yeah, uh, Apollo baby, son of Apollo. But uh, that didn't happen. It wasn't in the episode, so it's not canon. <laughs> no. It wasn't even animated. Nope. So, what do you think about who mourns for Adonai? Um, I, I think that it's a fun episode. Um, every time I watch it, I it, it's one of those th- things that I like to, to laugh along with. I think that the I, it was the first Chekhov episode, right? I want to say. I think so. And it's it's... His hair is amazing in that episode, <laughs> and I I love the sort of like banter that he has. I mean, I think that that they they kind of pulled it back later on, but like the 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 original portrayal of 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 Chekhov in in this episode, I think I I kind of wish they would have pushed that that a little further. But there's you know stuff like where he's like, hey, Captain, blah 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 blah, and Kirk's like how old are you? And he's like 22. And he's like, okay, then shut up. You know, things like that. You know, I mean, I thought that that was really good. I think that it is really funny the way that uh, Scotty is, you know, because he's like got a huge crush on on, on the woman who Apollo uh, falls in love with, right? So every yeah. time that Apollo's like, she's my woman, Scotty's like, no, you hold on a second. And Apollo's just like, boink shut up and then like <laughs> shoots him across the room with like a, a, a lightning bolt it actually reminded me a lot of that uh the episode of um futurama with with welshy the the you know what i'm talking about i've heard of it i've not seen you've never seen futurama. that either i do you just <laughs> not watch cartoons oh my god it's that one could be canon too that was written by a star trek writer goodman you, oh my God! Watch that episode. We we actually should do. Is this the one with all the yeah the cast? Right. <laughs> I think it's called "Where No Fan Has Gone Before." I believe is the name of it. Right. Oh, okay. We that we should do an episode on that episode. We should because <laughs> it is amazing. Oh my God! How have you not seen that? You would love it. It's like the best episode of Futurama, and it's like all all original series stuff but they have like this gag in that where like welshy keeps on getting electrocuted um <laughs> but uh yeah it, it reminded me of that and it's 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 a lot of fun to watch even if it's not that tremendously good of of an episode you know i enjoy it i enjoy it so maybe that does make it good yeah i agree with you i like the uh the costumes I like the the togas. It's always fun to to have everybody in togas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got ambitious special effects. Yeah, like like giant Apollo and the giant hand and stuff. Um, some of which were remastered and other things that couldn't be because mm-hmm. uh, they were in the live plate. But overall, I mean, it's. It's kind of sad. It's another one of those things where, you know, here's a society that 
wants you to stick around and is kind of forcing you to stick around and really they're not all that bad they're just kind of lonely and then kirk blows him up and gives him the middle finger and flies away for the cleanup ship to take care of and Mm -hmm. but uh, it's, it's fun it's fun i like it yeah it's not bad it 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 does. I mean, like after learning, you know, some of the stuff from from Mark Cushman and everything about Gene Kuhn and his sense of humor. Like I see that coming through here. It's a very uh, light hearted, funny episode, despite the fact that it doesn't seem to be that on the surface. Well, season three came along, and unfortunately, fortunately, we don't know much about it because Cushman's book hasn't come out yet. But uh, there was one episode at least one that had a that had another race of of godlike beings and uh, those were plato's stepchildren yeah the infamous plato's stepchildren mhm i still don't understand why they had to be plato's stepchildren we've we've got a group of alien travelers that go to earth to hang out with plato for a few days and then they go to live on another alien planet and they don't really like spout Plato's doctrines or anything, right? They just kind of... Yeah, I guess not. They're just like, oh, that Plato guy, he was cool. He had some interesting ideas, you know? They took a semester of philosophy in in college when they were on Earth, and then they were like, yeah, we're Plato's stepchildren. And then, you know, later, the name just stuck, you know? (laughs) It was was their their hipster group. Right, exactly. That they hung out at the coffee shop. Right, and then, like, 2,000 years later, they're like, oh, man, why did we do that? We should have called ourselves, like, the Beatles or something. That would have been a way better name. Whatever. So they leave Plato, and they find an alien planet, and they they stick around there, and they find that they get uh, supernatural abilities the longer that they stay on the planet. Everybody except for a, a little person, Alexander. Yeah. And they, uh... They the Enterprise crew comes and of course uh well not of course, but one of their members is sick and uh they can't use their powers to help him, so McCoy heals him using McCoy powers. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh they want to keep McCoy, and of course Kirk's like, No, you can't keep McCoy. So they decide, well then we'll we'll keep everybody and they use their mental powers to force everybody to entertain them. There's a memorable scene where where Kirk rides the little person like a horse. Yes. And uh, that's something you can't unsee. So if you've not seen that, I would advise preparing yourself. Here's the thing about the entertaining, right? They were like, let's show these people entertaining themselves by using the crew for like a really long time. And the thing that they didn't consider was whether or not the audience watching the show would be entertained. Because the answer (laughs) is no, they would not. And yet you have to sit and watch this for like a good 30 minutes with basically no plot development whatsoever. And it's just like, what is going on here? What is going on in this episode? I just don't know. It it does have the... the first interracial kiss on television between Kirk and Uhura, whether or not you believe which take it was in the final cut. I I believe even if it was just implied, it's still, you know, groundbreaking. Yeah. That's that true. they would allow it to be portrayed 
because uh who was it? Nichelle says that it was that it the take was the real kiss, and Shatner says that it was the it was the fake kiss. It certainly looks like it's a fake kiss. It does not look real. Um but yeah, and that's cool and everything, and it's good that they, they did that and were pushing boundaries in that way. I still think it is kind of weird that the first interracial kiss was one which was forced upon the two uh, participants. And as my wife brought up last night when we were watching the episode, to uh, do something that progressive and follow it up with a white guy uh, whipping a black woman, maybe, <laughs> maybe not the 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 right direction you want to go in after that but you know whatever i can't speak for it because i've not read not read the book uh-huh. and know what nbc had to say but maybe that was part of the the deal i mean maybe that it was forced maybe that it was forced was was part of the reason why they let it through maybe maybe you know i won't know. touch the other part oh i thought you were going to say like nbc was like okay you can have him kiss but then right afterwards he needs to whip her <laughs> no i i was going to leave you to say that okay all right okay <laughs> <laughs> either way every time i watch it i'm like yeah that's cool well yeah it's all right it's all right i, guess. <laughs> I don't know i don't know you're like yes no oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah it's kind of problematic, but what can you do? Uh, <sighs> I don't know. So Kirk figures out, well, McCoy figures out that uh, it's the food, the local food that, that has some kind of additive, uh, not additive, but like a natural ingredient that gives everybody mental powers. So uh, McCoy makes like a concentrated amount of it and gives uh, Spock and Kirk double the dosage that so that they've got more midichlorians in their blood than Yoda. Yes. And I'm going to go kill myself now. Yoda's got midichlorians. Sorry, I mentioned midichlorians. It's canon. Don't, ah. don't worry about it. It's canon. And uh. apparently it exists in the Star Trek universe too, so it's all good. <laughs> so they shoot everybody up with midichlorians, and uh, uh, Alexander, the little person, is finally going to kill the person who's tormented him for years, the the leader, Parman. And uh, Kirk stops him with his mental powers, and they they both, Parnum and them, try to get... Parnum and Kirk try to get each other to stab each other, and then uh, Kirk spares Parnum's life, and is like, Alexander, don't kill him. You know, you need to forgive him, because he just let all the power go to his head. And Parnum says, you're right, I did, I'm sorry. And Kirk says, good work. And he flies away. <laughs> yeah. But he takes the, the guy with him, right? He takes Alexander with him? Because he's oh, yeah. like, we have a little guest with us, or something like that. Something We have a little surprise. <laughs> and I'm just like... A little surprise for Scotty. Yeah. And it's like, don't do that. Don't do that, please. Does that make Keenzer canon? If If they know that Scotty likes little surprises? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's just like, really? You're doing that? Oh, God. Uh, well, progressive in some directions and not so much in others. Whatever. Progressive in one direction, sort and of. Non-progressive in every other direction. Yeah, yeah. What can you do? It was the 60s. Yep. Equality wasn't there quite yet. Yeah. 
And then I think about, you know, Code of Honor and then Equality still wasn't there in the 80s. Well, I'm sorry. let's be fair. It's 2014 right now and Equality still isn't here. So, you know, we've got some ways to go. But yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about uh, the episode, Plato's Stepchildren? I mean, I think I've kind of gathered. Yeah, I think it's really, really bad. It's <laughs> quintessential season three in a lot of ways. Um, it, it basically has uh, no redeeming uh, qualities whatsoever. It's extremely boring and kind of offensive uh, 99% of the time, but it, 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 it uh, you know... Uh, rests on that you know one little thing which was legendary and and groundbreaking and historical and uh maybe it shouldn't maybe it should just admit that it sucks do you now i've not really really thought about this and weighed and measured but do you think that it's i i kind of think it's the worst episode of the third season Oh, there's so many. See, I hate like doing worst episode things because if an episode was really, really bad, most of the time I won't remember it. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it being the worst episode of the third season. But I couldn't tell you what was. I guess the most unforgivable sin would be forgettable, and this episode is far from forgettable. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It- it made you feel it didn't make you feel what it wanted you what it necessarily wanted you to feel but you had feelings about it it made me feel made me feel anger and hatred and yeah all those things which star trek that leads to the dark side (laughs) i guess so it does yes if i keep quoting yoda from episode one you have the permission to drive down and beat me senseless i like episode one and and that scene in the trailer where he's like Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to the dark side. When I saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the best movie ever made. (laughs) So yeah. You can't top that trailer. I can't hate on Yoda. No. (laughs) On the uh, the original trilogy forums, we call him CPY, Creepy Puppet Yoda. Yes. Because there's just something off about that puppet. Oh yeah. Well, he's gone now. He's no longer. Yep. Thank you, George. You did. (laughs) You did something right. <laughs> well, as a surprise, uh, we'll throw in a. I think we should throw in a, a fourth godlike creature from the movies, the fourth season. Well, besides the cartoons, the fourth season, which it's really easy. Um, Cybok uh, hears from God. God says, "Come to the center of the universe." So he steals the Enterprise, goes to the center of the universe, and God says, "Yep, I need a spaceship." And Kirk says nope, and then shoot, and then Spock shoots him with a torpedo. Yeah, he wasn't really very powerful. I mean, he he shot people with lightning eyes, but it didn't kill them. And one torpedo managed to uh, make him pretty useless. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the character in in Star Trek V: The Final Frontier, I think, is interesting. I think that movie gets kind of a bad. Uh, rap um it's not like it's great or anything like that but i do enjoy it i I guess what i enjoy more is the stuff early on with the the character uh interactions and everything but um there's an interesting thing i think that william shatner was trying to go for in that movie and i think as is well documented you know the the budgetary constraints and also the constraints of uh sort of like sticking to Roddenberry ideals and stuff like that limited uh, the the stuff that he could do with it. 
and in the end it, it ends up being kind of weak sauce but uh it's better than plato's stepchildren <laughs> but the but the betrayal of the godlike creature i mean he's pretending to be godlike i mean that's and he's the only one we're talking about today that he doesn't really have power i mean i guess he has the power to like reach out to susceptible vulcans and yeah give them powers to wipe people's pain from them mm -hmm. unless that's a vulcan power i don't know yeah i haven't really thought about that who who was uh, responsible for that power it's interesting i'm sure it's something it's probably a mind meld could be yeah ideal mhm mm yeah if if spock can make uh kirk forget the woman in requiem for methuselah then you know they could wipe people's pain from them yeah 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 I could see that. I don't know. It's interesting. But then, I mean, the thing that you got to think about, too, with a lot of these godlike beings and whether or not they have godlike powers or whatever is, I think, lots of times the idea behind this is to say that, you know, they are false gods, you know, mm -hmm. maybe that there's more to it than, than meets the eye. And that's why they're not as powerful as as you would think that they are. Maybe that's part of it. It's like... Look at this, he's a god. Uh, no, not really. He can just shoot some lightning bolts out of his eyes and <laughs> make rock monsters off screen or something. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretical rock monsters. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much it on, on gods in original series. Mm-hmm. Oh, just one thing I would like to say that I love the fact that the god movie is... Um, co-written and directed by William Shatner, who, to me, is like a god on earth, right? Because <laughs> he can do no wrong. And look at all the amazing stuff that he's done, the joy that he's brought to people's lives through Rescue 911, <laughs> TJ Hooker, Miss Congeniality, <laughs> kidnapping of an American president. <laughs> He's he's the best. Yes. Amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's been fun talking about how Shatner is a god today. But that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Paul Sutherland and the Animated Series. I don't like the animated series. It's not good. <laughs> However... See, that's the kind of stuff that makes me forget about it. <laughs> Would you rather me watch Deep Space Nine or the animated series? Okay, but now that you're we done... We made that choice. Now that you're done with Deep Space Nine, you can move on to the animated series. Earl Grey. TNG Reboot. I have a, a lot of problems with this this concept of let's just do the next next generation. I don't think it's possible. To me, a big part of... Star Trek is like this aspect of exploration and finding out the unknown and going out places we've never been. The ready room. The liar. He's basically becoming a good Federation citizen, and that's causing a huge amount of conflict. And maybe even before he was here, that's what got him here, is that his inner ideals made him a bad Cardassian. The orb. As we dance. 
which to me she really seems like you know that boy or girl now who's gotten out of college is living at home again and not really sure what yeah. they want to do with their life because nothing's turning out the way they thought it was going to which yeah. is funny because her character is actually more relevant now than it was then to the journey Voyager season three marathon being a child of the 90s and i hadn't watched this in a while i realized oh my gosh how things had changed and how things hadn't changed rain robinson's oh, yeah. gigantic enormous cell phone with the huge antenna and her hippie van the lava lamp i mean i just loved it all uh it was very groovy warp five enterprise season five well they, they could find i mean more excitement in the decon chamber with this whole trip trantable love triangle thing for sure yeah the dorian fight scene in the decon chamber think about oh, it wow commentary trek stars robert hewitt wolf andromeda I suppose the easiest way to describe them would be a bat, who lead living hosts for their young. They're kind of like, kind of like, uh, I'm going to say xenomorphs in Alien, even though Max would kill me for saying that. Yes, and I dare say he will when he listens. Literary Treks. Protectors with Kirsten Weiner. Again, it's just you look at realistically, as realistically as you possibly can, you know, coming that close to death, being in the continuum, I mean, what's that going to do? someone and i struggled for a long time figuring out how to have her again realistically work through all of those things and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so check out these shows and get in on the daily trek talk you'll find them on itunes stitcher TuneIn, windows phone xbox zune or you can stream and download files from the website just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links so here's where to contact us if you'd like to uh pledge your loyalty to god shatner you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab at the right-hand side of any page to send a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And on Twitter under username trek.fm. You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. And Mike, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Trek FM, where I do commentary Trek Stars with my co-host Max. And you can find me and Max on uh, commentarytrackstars.com, where we do commentary Trek Stars off-topic with our friend Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email me at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to please support our sponsor who makes it possible for us to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible is something for everyone. There are numerous classic TOS books on Audible, as well as some of the all-time favorites like Prime Directive and Federation. Mike, what is your selection, your curation for this week? Well, you know, I haven't read a lot of uh, Star Trek novels, but I have read Star Trek The Next Generation Q-Squared, which was written by Peter David, who is one of my favorite comic book writers. He, he did uh, an amazing run on Hulk for years, and he did Aquaman and Supergirl, a lot of Star Trek comics. He's awesome. Um, and he even took my picture. A and this book... Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did. And this book is a book that I read um, back when it first came out, and it was awesome. It's called Q Squared. Uh, 
And the description, as it appears on Audible, is Captain Picard has never encountered an opponent more powerful than Q, a being from another continuum who is dangerous, obnoxious, mysterious, and seemingly all-powerful. But now, Trelane has tapped into an awesome power source that makes him more powerful than the entire continuum. Q warns that Trelane has become unspeakably dangerous. This time, the stakes are all of creation and it's read by John Delancey, and it is awesome. It's got, like, three timelines, and you see, like, alternate realities in which, like, Jack Crusher survived. He's a character from Next Generation, just so you know. And oh, okay. And so, some other stuff, and you've got, like, all these parallel things. Like, uh, I think P- Picard and Crusher, like, hook up at one point. It's it's amazing. It is, it is amazing. Jack Crusher? No. Uh, well... No, but uh, it's 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 great. You you gotta you gotta read it, and if since you're a listener to Trek FM, you can read it for free on Audible.com. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30 day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or the latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Also, if you'd like to personally support Standard Orbit, the network, and our programming, visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed badges and art prints as a thank you for your contribution, and you can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you every week. That was Gods. The Gods Must Be Crazy. We we tentatively titled this episode. <laughs> yep. It, uh, it was fun, you know? Gods in Star Trek. Always a weird concept. Yes. But they kept on Ron going Murray back always to had it. an interesting, interesting concepts. Yes. Yes. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir.